good morning. Uh, my name is Dell. for those of you who don't know me, and uh, we're continuing our Summer of Wisdom uh, today discussing uh, the fact that our words matter. Words matter. Now, uh, it's a good thing because we speak a lot of them. 7,000 a day for the average person, um, over 10 million a year. Depending on how long we live, we might get near a billion words uh, in a lifetime. Um, and they have incredible power to change the, the course of our lives. Now, the uh, New Testament talks about in James um, the fact that the tongue, the instrument of our words, is a very small member, so it's often overlooked. Um, but it has the power within it to not only set the course of an individual life, but actually the whole world uh, on fire. In fact, it uses three pictures there in James um, to kind of help us grasp the power of words. It talks about the tongue or, or words as a fire. It talks about the w- words as a rudder, like on a ship. And then words like a bridle or a horse race. Um, and the Proverbs talk about it like this, that healthy words are like a tree of life Wrong words, however, can do tremendous damage. So think about a fire. It can be a place of warmth for your family, a place of gathering around the fireplace, maybe even a place to make food, to share together, or it can burn your house down. A rudder of a ship can steer the course of your life towards a, a good destination, Or uh, it can take you dangerously off course, maybe even over the edge. Words as a bridle have the power to harness energy to win the race. Or to make you wild in your life. So from the Proverbs, I'm going to give you five things, uh, you know, the Proverbs have a lot to say about words um, that will help us frame out sort of an understanding of how to use them. Uh, and the first is this, that words create the future for yourself and for others. So check this out in Proverbs 13.3, those who control their tongue will have a long life. Or opening your mouth can ruin everything. Now think about it for a second. Words really do have the power in our lives to open or to close doors. They are related to opportunity. So the ones that we get, the ones that we create, or the ones that we miss out on. Uh, Probably because they're so related to relationships. So you're probably familiar with the research that for years... People thought that the greatest predictor of success in your life would be your intelligence, you know? Um, and so we try to measure that and to, and to boost it in every way we can. But what, what's been discovered is that actually the greatest predictor of success in your life is your emotional intelligence. It's the quality of your relationships. And words have the ability to either build or to break relationships, as we'll see in a moment. You know, words... Uh, according to the Proverbs, can be like swords that pierce 
Or the tongue of the wise can bring healing. Words heal or they wound others. Now, you remember the little saying in elementary school about sticks and stones can break my bones, but your words can never what? Okay, now, will we all kind of agree now as adults that probably no greater untruth has ever been said? Um, because physical wounds, uh, you know, even severe ones, uh, normatively can heal. But emotional wounds have the power to last for lifetimes. Um, and the reason for that is that words are woven together by all of us to create stories. So we interpret all of our life experience, what we believe is possible for us, what we believe, who we believe that we are, um, mainly through creating a story around words. We are story makers. And so when we have experiences of on being on the receiving end of words, like you're stupid or you don't have value or you can't do anything right, if this is the primary emotional learnings of our lives, they create a story in which we live and live out one kind of destiny. And of course, we probably have all had people along the way who encouraged us and spoke empowering words that, that changed our sense of ourselves and what was possible, that, that shaped the expanses of what we really felt that we could move into and be, maybe try. In fact, if you talk to people long enough and learn about their life story and what they've done, usually somewhere along the way there was, there was empowering words that sort of created vision for life. And so we have to ask ourselves, like, in the way that we're being shaped by words or the way that we're shaping others by words, what is the story that we're actually creating for others to live in? Check out this proverb. Worry weighs a person down, but an encouraging word cheers a person up. You know, words have the power to lift up or to weigh down. Now, I want to I address two or three things in this category here because I think it's important for us who live in a word-saturated society. Like, like the number of words that bombard us every day is incredibly greater than it would have been even 20 years ago or 50 years ago uh, because of the presence of 24-7 media. And we've addressed that here. We've done series on media, its impact on our lives. But let me just remind you of one thing related to that. Um, the product in any media-driven business, whether it be social media or the news networks or the cable networks or whatever, the product is who? What is the product? What are they selling? They're, they're selling your attention. So if you don't, if you don't click into one of these media channels, they're going to change the programming. They're going to go off the air. The way that they make money is by captivating people's attention. This is true whether you're on the right politically or on the left. You know, we all have our set of things. Like, you know, someone said there's two kinds, there's really two Americas, the Americas of Fox News and the America of CNN. I don't know if that's true. But wherever you line up um, in, on the, along the political spectrum, I can tell you this, uh, they're all media companies who have one product, and it's your attention. And they all also have one formula. And so it turns out that negative information, information particularly that taps into our sense of threat or fear or survival, activates our system much more readily than good news. So if you just do the content analysis of any media that's bombarding you 24-7, 
you're going to have seven to 12 negative fear-based stories for every one positive one for this simple reason. That's the only way to stay competitive. So you can have good news on the right or good news on the left, bad news on the right or bad news on the left, um, but it's going to be on, in that formula. So here, here's, a, here's a simple coaching tip that would be wisdom from this principle. One way to greatly increase your emotional well-being, your sense of how good life is, is to tune down your media intake because you are literally inundating. For, you, for those of you who have news media and talk radio and all the stuff on, on loop, um, you are, you, there's probably nothing else that you could do to destroy your sense of well-being than that. Now, I had, a little, I had a lady come up in the first service and say, you know, well, we, watch, we get together and we watch the news and we pray. And then we chart how things change along the, around the world and the, you know, by staying informed in this way, it moves the needle. If you're, if you're doing that, awesome, okay? But let me just remind you, you're being inundated with weight of negativity by the business formula in media. Secondly, it is more than COVID that we catch at the water cooler at the office because emotions themselves are contagious. So when negativity and fear is the subject of your connection points, you are literally spreading negativity and weight of spirit like a contagion. And the opposite is true, that it is possible to inspire and to envision and to give hope and inspiration by the, by the nature of your speech because of this wisdom principle. So just something to keep in mind as you're thinking about creating the future with your words. Check out this proverb, Proverbs 16, 28. Gossip separates the best of friends. Words have the power to connect or to separate. Again, another topic here that demands its own talk. But you know that uh, oftentimes groups, even church groups, even faith-based groups, uh, are not safe places to be vulnerable. And part of the reason that they are not safe places to be vulnerable is that things are spread along the gossip chains in ways that are not loving and life-giving, but they're, but they're destructive and they're shame-based and they're fearful and they tear down. Uh, and so we have to be on guard in social contexts because we know the presence of gossip. Now, so the question is, uh, you know, again, the application would be as we're using our words, um, there are really basically two postures before we repeat or share something personal about another person. The question that we need to ask ourselves are, is this, are we part of the solution and is part of what we're about to do or say part of the solution of building that person's life? If the answer to that question is no and you repeat it, you have actually become part of the what? The problem. You are no longer part of the solution. You are therefore part of the problem. And this, this has a power to separate not only acquaintances, but even the closest of friends. Friendships are destroyed. Families are destroyed um, by the power of this one principle of gossip because words, words really do create the future. Okay, secondly, second principle. It's not just what you say, but it's how you say it. So can we all agree that there are, there's such a thing as verbal communication? And then there's what? 
nonverbal communication. And we know from our communication classes and stuff like this, 80% of the message of any set of words is actually the nonverbal. It's the tone. It's the timing. It's the, it's the body posture uh, you know, that communicates uh, you know, more than even the content of what we say. So check out these Proverbs in this regard. Proverbs 14.3, a fool's proud talk becomes a rod that beats him, but the words of the wise keep them safe. Basically what this is talking about is the fact that arrogance provokes resistance. Now we all know this, like when a person that is a know-it-all that comes in with that posture hardens most of the time, uh, the people around them. Uh, this, is, this is also true like in just the, the approach that we take to sharing what we know. You know, uh, when we make accusations or overstatements, that's going to harden people around us. Where curiosity and questions, you know, like checking out points of view, etc., is going to generally open or soften. So it's just a wisdom principle that we can apply right in our lives, that just sometimes it's not just what you know, it's how you use what you know. That's actually the wisdom component here, that, that, that pride just doesn't work on that level. And let me just take it one step deeper. Adults learn on a need-to-know basis. That means that all of you walked in this morning with certain questions that you're asking right now about your life. One of the dangers of being a communicator like in this kind of a forum, is that I am talking about something that may or may not have any relevance to the questions you're asking. As an adult who is being inundated with information, part of being successful in your life is to filter out information because you have too much to take in, right? So you learn on the basis of the questions that you're asking. Now, if you're a person who knows a lot but goes around sharing all that you know, constantly lecturing or proclaiming or you know, whatever, with no sensitivity to the questions of the people that they're asking around you, you're basically, you're basically talking to the wind. And worse, you might become the kind of annoying person that people actually want to cross the street to avoid because they don't want to hear any more of what you know because it's not the question that they're asking. All right? Now, Proverbs 16, 24. Kind words are like honey... Honey sweet to the soul and, he, and healthy for the body. Now, some of these Proverbs are so beautiful in the way that they're written that they almost need no exclamation. But you know what he's, this is basically saying? People don't care what you know until they know that you care. Kindness in your speech, in your tone, in your messaging um, is the lubricant that causes all the gears to run in life or to seize. So my daughter, uh, you know, we just dropped her off at college last week, so I'm thinking about her a lot. But she has a shirt. I think she personifies this really well. But her shirt says this. Um, in this world, you can be anything. Dot, dot, dot. So be kind. Um, and I think what, a, what an incredible uh, principle for life, but also right here from the wisdom uh, of the Proverbs. Okay, number three. The most powerful words are often the words that you don't say. Now think about that for a second. Some of the most powerful words that, ever, that will ever like, be operational 
in your life are the ones that you don't say. And the Proverbs is full of wisdom related to this principle, that too much talk leads to sin, but sensible people keep their mouth shut because less is often, is often more. Um, and I don't think I need to elaborate on that too much other than to say that there are some people who habitually, they're wonderful people, they're good, and this is, not a, this is not a condemnation, it's not like a statement about their essential character or anything, um, but they never take a breath. They are always, always, always talking. And the impact of that behavior, like never, never, never pausing um, in your speech, wears people down. It wears them out. Um, and it opens vulnerabilities, right, in their life um, to where, uh, in some cases, people actually are avoiding you if you're this kind of person that you may not know, but they are actually crossing the street. They are, they are making sure on Tuesday that they are not somewhere that you're going to be because they simply do not have the energy. They like you otherwise, but they do not have the energy um, to listen to you talk incessantly. Okay? So, again, I'm not trying to be harsh. Anyway, it's just something to think about. Proverbs 15, 28 The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. I want to leave this principle with you. Remember the life-giving half-second. The life-giving half-second is the half-second neurologically in your wiring between the time that a thought crosses your mind and when it leaves your mouth. So God actually designed there to be, so some people say, well, it just slipped out, like it just came out. Well, actually, actually you had a half second. You had a half second. And, and what that means is that if you learn how to tune into the life-giving half second, you have a moment to bring wisdom, the Holy Spirit, some of these other principles to bear on your speech in ways that you are never the victim just of, uh, you know, of, of, of your mouth. Because, because God wove into your body this life-giving half-second, and the righteous actually take advantage of it. Okay? Proverbs 17, 28. Even fools are thought-wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. It's like another one of those where you just drop the mic. You know? I mean, it's like, right? What else do you say? I mean, it's like the E.F. Hutton principle you remember that in life where, where uh, we might say it like this. My, I think my mom made me tell me this. <laughs> Better to be thought an idiot than to open your mouth and prove it. <laughs> so, so, again, a principle that we, like a lot of times, uh, by the way, this is a social skill too that can be cultivated with kids and different stuff. Like, so we'll say, like, you know, I, we're not like the kids are to be seen and not heard. Like, I don't think that's helpful uh, view of, of children. Um, however, what, what, you actually, what we actually want to teach developmentally is how to be with each other in ways that give life. That's what we're actually talking about here. And one of the ways to do that is to show curiosity. Like, even the smallest child can learn to ask one or two questions in a group, right? So you can just ask a question. 
And what a question does is it brings, it brings some of these, like it brings connection, it brings receptivity, it brings life into the thing. And it also, it also, um, it also promotes learning. And, and um, even a child, you know, like who learns how to be with others using questions and, and appropriate silence uh, is going to be thought wise. Right, so there you go. We can try it on in any stage of life. Number four, listening is the key to speaking. The Proverbs have a whole uh, big section on just like the wisdom of listening and the wisdom principle of it. So Proverbs 19, 20, get all the advice and instruction you can and then you will be wise the rest of your life. So here's the, here's the principle, like in, I think, modern vernacular. The depth of the input determines the quality of the output. Would you agree with that? The, like, like the depth of the input is going to determine what the quality of the output is. Now, here's a, here's a little rule of thumb. Are you taking in more than you're giving out? So I will, some, this, this is a little fun fact. Did you know that most speakers, most creative geniuses, most actors, most script writers, you know, movie writers, all this stuff, um, they are often introverts. So the people that have the most public presence, like, on the, they, like they're living actually is the stage, often have a very quiet inward life. Um, for this simple reason that in order for really powerful things to come out, they've had to spend some time putting really powerful things in. So it's interesting. Like sometimes people will say like, well, I'm very quiet. You know, I'm very, I can never get up on the stage. You know, it's scary. Probably the ones that are actually cultivating depth are the ones that we should be hearing more from um, because, they, because they have actually practiced the principle of uh, that Proverbs talks to here, about here of of, uh, of depth of input. Proverbs 18, 13. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Modern vernacular. Please give it more than 17 seconds. Because 17 seconds is the average amount of time that a person listens before interrupting a close relationship on an important matter. Is that unbelievable? 17 seconds. Um, what would happen to our marriages, to our relationship with our kids, to, to, our, to our coworkers, like if we actually practiced giving it more than 17 seconds to, to listen, to seek to not just be understood, but to understand. And then lastly this, um, there is a time to speak up. So the, the irony of all this is that sometimes we are overusing words when we should be quiet, and then sometimes we're quiet when we should be speaking up. Now look at this. The text here is actually 31, 31, 8, and 9. That's the wrong reference. 31, 8, and 9. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and the helpless. 
and see that they get justice. So here's the question. For who and for what do you speak up? I was just sitting this morning, like, making a little list for myself, like, do I speak up for the voiceless? Do I speak up for the oppressed? Do I advocate with my speech for the poor? Am I actively involved for the marginalized, for the oppressed, uh, for, for those who in our society, for whatever reason, you know, it could even be contextually, uh, if, you're in a, if you're in a work environment that does not recognize the voice of some particular group, whether it be women or minorities or whatever it is, do you actually use the influence that you have to speak up for, maybe it's economic, you know, maybe it's only the, the rich or the charismatic or the powerful that, that have a voice in the particular context you're in. Do you, do you advocate for that? Um, if we were to look at the things that you have actually gone on record for, like whether it be on your Facebook or your, you know, your Instagram or the things that you get you worked up, is the, is the things that you're speaking up for mainly self-interest, self-protection, whatever, then there might be a correction here from the wisdom of the scripture here that, that part of how we're to use whatever influence, power, voice that's been giving, given us is for the benefit of the weakest, you know, among us. This is God's heart, you know, for justice. Now, I was trying to think, how would we apply, like, a lot of stuff here, um, a lot of stuff to... Lot, lot, Proverbs has a lot to say about words. So how, do, how would we apply this? I think part of it is awareness. And uh, I was just thinking in our work every year, uh, we, uh, we bring in an, uh, an independent audit firm who come in to look at our financial integrity, right? It's for accountability. It's for, um, it's for all of us to, you know, reach maximum performance and to steward the things that we've been given well. And so they dig into all kinds of stuff. You know, they, they look and they ask questions and, you know, um, they're like, why did you label this that? And where's this receipt? And, you know, is this what you're saying? So, and then they give a report at the end so that we can get better as an organization. We probably do something like that, all of us, uh, even the most disorganized, because we have to file our taxes every year, right? And so it becomes sort of like, well, how much income and how much expense and like how, you know, how are, how, what happened activity-wise this last year. So, so we do that. We might meet with a financial planner occasionally to say, you know, am I saving enough and am I planning properly and these kinds of things. What would it look like to do an audit on our speech? Now again, it's 7,000 words a day, so that's a lot. Um, and it was interesting, I had a, a young, I was a teenager actually from the youth group came up this morning after the first service. I learned that you guys get the benefit in the second service of all my mistakes in the first service. But they said, um, did you know that the word audit, I, he said, I'm studying Latin. He said, the word audit actually, actually has to do with listening. So uh, he gave me the two Latin roots, which I won't try. Um, but he said, basically, this word actually means to audit something is actually to listen carefully to that thing. So if you did a financial audit, you would take some time to listen carefully to the finances. If you did a word audit, 
yeah, it would be a way to listen to your own speech. Um, and so I was thinking, like, how would you actually do this? Like, that's 7,000 words. I mean, there's probably lots of creative ways you can think of. One of the ways that I've seen practiced is where people decide for a certain period of time to actually refrain from speaking. They actually, did a, they actually do a word fast, where they only, like, answer the questions that are, like, necessary to kind of function. And what happens as you're trying to not speak is all of a sudden now you become aware of what? What you are about to say. It's like, ugh. Um, and it's a way to build awareness of how you're habitually using your words so that you can pray about it, think about it, course correct um, uh, in the future. So uh, I throw it out to you as an idea to apply this, that, that, that we must first become aware of our speech before we can begin to, to make adjustments according to wisdom. All right? Um, let me pray for you, and we will be dismissed. Lord, I thank you for, I thank you for my friends. Um, I thank you for this community. I thank you for a summer of wisdom. I thank you for the way these ancient texts are so relevant to right now in the 21st century. And I just ask um, when, it, when it comes to our speech, our words, both the internal dialogue and external, um, that they would be seasoned with grace and wisdom and that they would bring life um, to all my friends here and where we need to make some alignments or course corrections. Help us to do that in grace and love by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.